0: A tape of this quality deserves to be played in the most
1: So what's going on? What's with the how are you doing with the COVID?
0: Um you know, as well as one could we're yeah. obviously all stuck in the same boat. Um so uh emotionally mentally physically literally we're all still st- right. <laughs> stuck in the same same uh, position but um artistically um have obviously had to cancel um artist residencies yeah. and artist talks and tours um, outside of the state um A uh, uh, one of my exhibitions in Poland was canceled, and um, an exhibition in uh San Francisco was moved to a virtual exhibition. So, Hmm. yeah, artistically, those are um, some of the consequences,
1: yeah. Well, like, yeah, but you're still working, your studio is at your house, is is that correct? Yes, yeah, so that's yeah,
0: I'm. Thankfully, um, I'm lucky enough to have my um, casting studio within walking distance. <laughs> Literally like a or, yeah. um Is you know like ten 15 feet or away. Something.
1: That's the way it was for me. When I had a yeah. garage and I was doing art full time. It was like it worked out, you know. My my garage was the workshop, so for like prepping and stuff like that and then I painted in in the bedroom and then Yeah, that was nice, you know. But,
0: That's awesome. It's um, good to have it. I mean, it's nice to have it within uh, one's live, living space, but, um, you know, not right in the living space. Otherwise, you get distracted. So, yeah, the garage is always is a, true. a good way to kind of separate living and working without having to pay an extra studio rental fee.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, did you – are you from Florida?
0: No, actually oh, well I don't know what the yeah, yeah. what the um amount of years that it takes for somebody to be graduated into becoming a Floridian. I guess I've been here long enough for that. Okay. Um, I moved here in two thousand and five. Oh, wow. Um so yeah, it's been fifteen years. That's pretty So I don't I don't know if I'm considered a yeah. Floridian by now, but um if so, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm I'm crazy, so that kind of fits. <laughs> I don't foresee myself years. Where, moving where, back west.
1: Where were you located before that?
0: Um, I moved here from LA, oh,
1: and I, I was
0: living and working out there. And um, I was born in Arizona, which I don't like to
1: talk about. No. But <laughs> okay, I love it's Arizona, okay. but we won't talk about it. <laughs> I love the but, state. I mean, it's a nice place. Like scenery wise. So. Arizona? Yeah.
0: Um it kind of looks like a big ashtray. Yeah. Kind of it does. But if you yeah. go north it's a lot beautiful. Of
1: like um Flagstaff and Sedona, those places are beautiful.
0: Yeah, Flagstaff is gorgeous. Yeah. I actually went to university up there. Did you? That's kind of like um yeah, uh and that's kind of where I learned um not kind of that is where I learned um uh, my craft and my process and and everything. Okay. Um, yeah, at, at Northern Arizona University, but that's kind of like um, not to get political, but mm-hmm. uh that segment uh, within the state is very much um,
1: more liberal. Than, okay. Yeah. Than yeah the yeah. rest of the state. I could, I got that feeling when I was there. I, was, I went. Yeah. I went to Flagstaff a couple times when I was doing the conventions, um, and I camped at Flagstaff one night after. After leaving the convention in and near F- Phoenix, it was one hundred and ten. I go oh. to Flagstaff, and it's forty degrees and raining. Yeah. And we didn't have a hotel or anything, so I was like, "Let's go camping." Like on the way there, you know what I'm saying? Nice. And then yeah. when we get there, we're like, "Crap, we gotta camp in this." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> fun.
0: <laughs> but worth it though. Oh yeah, I totally mean, worth that- it. That area up there, yeah. oh my gosh, it's like tucked right off the uh right off Route sixty six yep. and it's so nice yeah, up there. Where oh we my camped, gosh. There was like a, a lot big, of stories.
1: Where we camped there was a big um like sculpture cut out of like a um tree. And mm. it was like a bear and it's a he was holding a sign that said Route sixty six. It was a pretty cool place. Nice. Yeah. Um I had no idea you were from L.A. So, did you go to school in L.A.? Is that?
0: No, I went to I went to school in um, oh yeah, uh, in Flagstaff. But um, the time that I spent in L.A. is really um, where I became myself. If that makes sense.
1: I got you. What brought you there? So, just believe it or
0: not. So I was. Oh, this phone keeps falling over. Um. So believe it or not, I had um. Need... accepted a position with a um, face painting company, oh, and okay. um, yeah, and so I had family out in California. Most of my family is yeah. in California, like between San Diego and L.A. and um, Homo kind of inland Sometimes. a little bit. But, um, but yeah, most of my family was out there, and it was always my plan to uh, move out there with them. Okay. or to them, and um, yeah, and so the face painting company was like, oh, we have a location in Hollywood, would you like to uh, live work out <laughs> there, and do face painting <laughs> uh, at the theme parks, and I was like, yeah, let's yeah. do that, that sounds like a lot of fun, so I helped open the location out there, and um yeah, it's it was great. I like was like working at close Disney to my World. brothers I mean, in Disneyland Long Beach and, and stuff. my cousins in San Diego and my aunt and oh, uncle nice. and grandma and everyone. So it was it was nice to be out there with yeah. family.
1: That's awesome. And that's uh like working for like Disneyland and all those places. Universal Studios. Universal actually. Studios, Believe oh, okay. it or not. Yeah. Wow.
0: I, yeah, right in I right in uh Hollywood.
1: <laughs> I don't know as much about universal so i didn't realize that they had face painting as well
0: they yeah it's been um we we actually introduced it to the park
1: ah, um, gotcha.
0: in the early 2000s and then um the company that i was with uh left that location in the mid 2010s gotcha. and then uh, another company actually has that location that contract now
1: so you went to um northern Arizona. Is that what you said?
0: Yeah, it's uh the home of the lumberjack and of course it's it is. actually like um well, I shouldn't say LA is where I cave into like my own self or mm-hmm. you know, started to realize who I really was. It happened in Flagstaff. That's so when I started um Getting into activism and a little bit of anarchy and um, protesting and things like that. So that's where it happens. um,
1: College is where that happens. Like,
0: yeah. Well, even now, like I'll, I'll, you know, go on a couple marches and make a a shit ton of uh, (laughs) protest
1: posters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll still do it. Of course, (laughs) it's in me. And and your your
1: art background makes for great posters. So, yeah, like you don't, you get the, you get the word, the size of the letters correctly, and stuff like <laughs> true, that. True, true. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so, but yeah, I I went to NAU and um originally went uh, into um, university under like a music scholarship because I played the cello, ah. and um yeah it was, uh, it was uh. <laughs> I don't know how far back you want to go, but um, when I was super young, um, I started playing the cello at like age nine, and um, I, we, didn't, we didn't have like a way of, uh, or I didn't have a way of earning allowance, because like chores were like a given, they were mandatory yeah. in the household, and the thinking behind that was, well, nobody's going to pay you to do these normal household activities as an adult, so get used to that and do them anyway right. kind of a thing. So um, the way that I earned pocket money was to practice my cello. My mom Ah. had – I negotiated with my mom to uh, pay me $4 an hour. (laughs) So every 15 minutes I would get a dollar. And I practiced um, daily for like three to four hours. And because of that, I started doing like – Playing at weddings and gigs and bar mitzvahs nice. and um, funerals, even like when I was um,
1: like 13 gotcha. to 18. You guys love Disney. We
0: do. It's a oh, it's an obsession. It's a yeah. lifelong obsession. Obsession. Yeah. Because Thomas grew up. Here, going to Walt Disney World as a child of his family, um, well into teenager and adulthood. And then I grew up going to Disneyland with my family, you know, through um, (laughs) as a child, teenager, and as an adult. And like it was uh, pretty much an obsession. Like I would take a a Sony, um, what were those uh, cassette recorders? Oh, yeah. Not a Discman, but
1: before a Discman.
0: A Walkman? Walkman. Is that
1: what it was called? Walkman. A Walkman? Okay.
0: So I would take a Walkman and, like, um, blank tapes, blank cassettes, and I'd go around and I would um, hold it to, the, like, the speaker systems oh, inside fun. the park. And, like, as I was going on um, attractions and rides and stuff, like, I would I would record the sounds so that way when I was home or in school, I'd pop the tape it. in and listen to that's it. That's amazing. And, yeah, and pretend I'm writing it.
1: I wonder if anybody yeah. has, like, sounds of disney on a youtube channel or something oh Oh. are there
0: (laughs) oh my gosh i'm so glad you asked that question because we um i i don't want to incriminate ourselves but we may or may not i'll just say that we may or may not have um a lot of the source audio from Disneyland and Walt Disney World and Disneyland Paris and Tokyo Disneyland. And oh, yeah? Our collection for Shanghai Disneyland and Hong Kong Disneyland are kind of subpar. But um have <laughs> got we've got a well, lot of uh really source audio recording. from the
1: parks. This thing right here is really good for recording, so just so you know.
0: Oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean They'll probably wonder what that is when you bring it into the park, but, you know, <laughs> like, it's really good for recording. Um, so you're, you went to Uh, university in Arizona, and then you spent some time in L.A. Um,
0: yes, yes. What, oh, I forgot. So I, like, I, I totally yeah, lost my train of thought. We were that, talking so. about cello. Yeah, so so I um uh, because of all of that practicing like as a uh, you know growing up mm-hmm. um I uh, won a I got a bunch of awards and um I actually scored like a full tuition scholarship to college under a music major um but I also because I love Disneyland so much I wanted to be an Imagineer so um I excelled in math growing up so I um actually double majored as um In in music and mechanical engineering when I first started. And then I did the uh, Walt Disney World College program and did that for a semester and um, – and then came back to university and like switched gears and uh, focused on like the artistic and conceptual side of, of gotcha. engineering and not so much like the mechanical and uh, mechanical engineering part of it. So um, I switched majors and still kept my music Look, scholarship. I was waiting um, for him
1: to come. This guy. Yeah. Oh, he's <laughs> so cute. Is, that's Lucian. That's my uh, producer. He's always here. <laughs> Helping me. Helping me run the board. Making sure you stay
0: on budget. Yeah, Yeah. stuff
1: like that, yeah. (laughs) He likes to push on the levers on the mixer because he steps on the mixer and he'll, like, change the audio while I'm not paying attention. (laughs) I'll be listening back to it and it'll be, like, a little louder here for some reason. And it's like, what is going on? (laughs) That's just Lucian's contribution to the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> he's a he just
0: he really wants the uh, high volume words to be emphasized in the final product <laughs> i saved him
1: i saved him from the uh outside because he he was abandoned there he is
0: oh poor thing oh his little
1: ears yeah he's super cute he's gonna lay on my notepad now so he's gonna take notes for me um Okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Do you
0: have um, writing implements that are small enough for his little paws, his um, paws?
1: I might have like an old pencil that's like this long, you know, that might work. <laughs> <laughs> I I went to I went to elementary school with this really weird eccentric dude, and he would like use his pencils till they were but to the eraser, and then he would save them, and he had hundreds <laughs> of them that were like all the way down to the eraser like hundreds. How do you hold it? Wow. I don't know. I mean, we were in elementary school, mm-hmm. so our hands were smaller. So. True, true, but still. That's I'll that's, never forget uh, that guy. Cause he was a wild. He was a a character that dude, like like <laughs> he was interesting. Like, I don't know. I'll never forget that guy. And that was elementary school and we're the same age, me and you. Did you ever collect weird looking. things
0: growing up? What was the strangest thing you collected?
1: Strangest thing? I don't know. Not really strange things actually. Really? No. No. I mean, I had a pretty nice micro machine collection, but that's not strange. Oh, yes, micro machine. I know. That's pretty sweet. Those are those are fun. Those are fun. I wonder what they go for now. Like I, I wonder
0: know. what happened to the host of those uh um commercials. Oh, the, one that the spoke the fast really fast. Talking guy? Yeah, I do The know. fast talker.
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: And he had a mustache too, I think and he bushy died. eyebrows.
1: I don't know. But um you and I are the same age. I noticed that when I was doing research. Um we were born in the same year. I don't know what your birthday is, but we were born in the same year. So
0: I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> <Don't>... September baby.
1: <laughs> oh, September. So not far off. You're a little bit older. Um Oh,
0: yeah. the did. <laughs> I know, right?
1: <laughs> but um my cut's deep. <laughs> so after college you went to LA and did face painting for a while and then what, what brought yeah. you to what brought you to Florida so... <laughs> I met Tom I... and he swept you off your feet and whisked you away to Seriously, Orlando
0: pretty much yeah. like they they transferred him out to LA and um to see how how he would do in a leadership role and um man woof. He kind of yeah. He was uh, <laughs> did sweep me off my feet. He was he was actually going to move out to California to be with me, and um and I was like, dude, do you know how expensive this place? is? Right. I said it would be far Orlando. more economical if um if he moved back to Florida and I followed you there. Um, ah, okay. Because I could transfer within the company and still retain my position oh. um, with uh, the face painting uh, company. And then, um, yeah, and then we wouldn't have to uh, scrimp and save, you know, um, living in LA. It's, it's a struggle. Um, for a new couple out there to try to afford an apartment. Even the basic necessities, it's difficult to afford out there. So, um, and I certainly didn't want to move in with uh, my family with him out there too uh, because that would have just been a little strange and we like our privacy.
1: So Um,
0: I was like, yeah, let me move to Florida. We'll try that out. And it worked.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it, it worked out pretty good because you guys just paid off your house. I mean... We did. Like, congratulations yes. on that! Like, that would Thanks. be a little harder to do in LA, I'm sure.
2: Oh
0: gosh, yeah. yeah. So even in we lived in Los Feliz, which is kind of like um, in the Griffith Park area. Gotcha. Uh, kind of near Hollywood-ish, but more so near like uh, Salt Lake and um, and whatnot. And um, like the apartment that we lived in. And this was in 2002, 2003, 2004. Gotcha. 2005 um, ish. It was the two bedroom, two <laughs> bath. It was $2,600 a month. Wow. That was like more than 15 years ago and it was wow. that expensive.
1: My house yeah. was, was uh, three, two and a half, and it was half of that price. Like, yeah, I had a I believe townhouse it. that was. It was like two thousand square feet, three two and a half, and it was thirteen hundred a month. Oof. Here. Isn't yeah. that awesome? I sold it but like like that's crazy that your apart your two bedroom, two bath apartment was twice as much as my mortgage on my nice house in the suburbs. <laughs> I mean, like it, it, was was a to... it
0: was a beautiful location. Yeah. Like, Los Feliz is where, um, like, Walt, the original Walt Disney Hyperion Studios was. Like, it was uh, one of Walt Disney's uh, locations for one of Walt Disney's first homes. Like, um, like Los Feliz is really, really beautiful. Yeah. So I could see well, why, it, you know, why it's that expensive. But, like, holy cow, there's no way yeah. we could have afforded it on our
1: own. Well, so, congratulations on that.
0: Thank you. You know, it's really weird because like when um when we lived here and Hurricane Irma literally like blasted through our house um because <laughs> we had so much damage from it back in 2017. Um we uh after we got all the repairs done, he and I sat down and we we're like are we going to are we going to fight it or flight it? Like are we going to stay here or bail? And, um, we decided to stay here and, um, and from that point to, uh, February of this year, like there was something inside my gut that was just like, pay off the house, pay off the house, yeah. just in case something, you know, pretty devastating and, and uh, drastic should happen. That's so and, funny. um, it was, I know it, the timing is really yeah. bananas. So, the morning that um, – and this was – we paid it off in February, so it takes, you know, the county and the credit union a couple uh, a couple weeks to file yeah. all the paperwork and make it official. And um, the morning of uh, – it was a Tuesday morning. We had gotten mail. Um, this was after a week of quarantine. We went out to get the mail, <laughs> and Thomas opened up, and he's like, "Look!" And it was our signed, sealed document stating that we had satisfied the entire, you know, um, loan, and we owned we we owed nothing, and we That's owned the house um, outright. That evening, that very day, later that evening, we both got the phone call that we were let go from our jobs
1: because of oh, COVID nineteen.
0: I know the timing is yeah. like, you can't you can't write this shit. Well,
1: <laughs> I've seen I've seen Tom at Disney before. Does he work there or did he work there?
0: He did. Yeah, yeah. he um, actually uh, managed the face painting location at Epcot. Yeah, um, that's
1: where I saw him. I, I yeah, s- I saw him. Um, I forget what what I was doing there, but I saw him in the act of, face, <laughs> of painting someone's face and i was like hey man i didn't want to like infringe so i was just like from far away i was like because he i don't know he has he has a welcoming like look to him
0: he does to like people of all ages and genders and backgrounds like he has like such a good heart about him and it comes through in his face i think so (laughs)
1: um and i noticed not only there, but at other stations, you're on the sign of the face painting <laughs> thing, aren't you?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, on some of them. That's I funny. Mean, over the years, they they, they actually like use um, artists or current artists at the time oh, um, cool. or family members of current artists yeah. um, to like model the faces for the theme that's parks. So, funny. so a lot of those pictures where you see my ugly mug on mm-hmm. them, on the boards are from you know like 5 to 10 years ago yeah. and about 50 pounds but I didn't ago notice, so uh, I did notice I
1: was like holy cow that's uh, Rebecca <laughs> 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 that's hilarious
0: <laughs> there is so, my favorite sign that both Thomas and I are on um, is a Halloween Horror Night sign that they oh, cool. bring out seasonally at Universal. And he's the male zombie, and I'm the female zombie. Nice. And so we're like zombies together on the same sign. Awesome. Yeah, that that one's my favorite.
1: So, what are you working oh, okay. on now?
0: Um, so because a lot of uh, the opportunities and things that I had planned for April, May, and some of June are either canceled or postponed. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Adapting to, and this goes for everybody, you know, just (laughs) merely merely adapting to uh, this huge change and upheaval. Yeah, it's
1: (laughs) pretty um, wild.
0: You know, it brings – Yeah, totally rough. It brings about, you know, certain days. Some days there's, um, you know, intense waves of inspiration kick in and motivation then follows and I, you know, am super productive and I get shit done and things knocked off the to-do list. Um, And then some days are just like, what the hell is going on? And I pretty much just, you know, go into – not to get too dark, but um, you have know, a lot of existentialism, which I love to dabble in and you know yeah. solipsism and all that, and sometimes a little too you know a little a too t- meter between like nihilism and you know, <laughs> trying to stay p- optimistic about life and, yeah. and, and what's happening but, so basically um, you're saying yeah.
1: if you could pull it off, you would have a mohawk and like paint it like all kinds of colors, <laughs> right that's pretty much what you're saying
0: no i i don't i'm not the type of person that um not that i don't hold anything against anyone who does obviously people do, should do what they want um but i'm not the type that uh um need to or has the desire to rather uh to change how I'm feeling through my appearance so um I actually find things find like uh dealing with accepting. Recognizing and dealing with uh, mm-hmm. these uh, emotions um, associated with the whole shutdown and everything um, through tasks. Okay. I'm a very task-oriented person. Gotcha. So, um, and I'm also like a very service-oriented person too. So, I, um, if I'm not able to be productive, uh, it kind of drives me nuts, and I um, tend to offer and serve um, others that, you know, are going through a harder time than I am. So there, that kind of also brings peace and solace. Like if I'm able to help somebody out, it makes me feel better too, which I know doesn't sound as altruistic as it should, but, um, you know, we all need to have some some self-care right now. And um, I – sometimes get that from helping other people. So um, I've been in, uh, I've been collaborating with uh, treat gallery up in Brooklyn, in treat. New York. Right. Um, and I've been offering pro bono portfolio reviews and like, um, uh, to artists. Treat? Like treat? Yeah. Treat. Like um, their whole, their whole concept is to, uh, to treat others. Ah. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, Sherry Littlefield, who used to live in Orlando, mm-hmm. um, is the founder of Treat Gallery up in New York. Oh, okay. and um, yeah she she and I have been uh, collaborating um, on projects like that to help other artists. and it's not just me who's reviewing uh, portfolios and and helping with uh, helping others with artist statements and bios and sometimes just you know being on the phone and talking with an artist just so that they, have somebody to talk with right. um, can help them too. Um, but there was yeah. like, a, I think that in all, there were like 20 of us in the industry that helped uh, offer free reviews to artists. That's cool. It was really, it was worthwhile. Yeah. It was very rewarding. I can so imagine. I did some of that. And then um, I've been grant writing like, mad. Oh, yeah? Normally I do a lot of grant writing just because I'm a nerd and I give myself homework like that. <laughs> but <laughs> but this time, like I have um I've really, really, really put my head to the grindstone yeah. and just grant write, grant write every single day. Just even if it's, you know, in every single sorry, I'm kinda like bouncing back and forth. No, every fine. single um grant Opportunity has their own set of requirements and, and uh, guidelines, obviously right um, because they as a nonprofit or a functioning organization that um, gives relief to artists or helps artists um, with funding for future projects or current projects or what have you, they have to have um, as much information as possible so there's a paper trail. Oh yeah, for sure. Um for their donors, you know. Right. And some of these grants are like associated with like the National Endowment for the Arts and um the Andy Warhol Foundation and um nice. like there's a lot of heavy-hitting donors involved yeah. in providing funding to to be dispersed to as many artists as possible. So I've been researching and uh finding as many opportunities like that as possible. Yeah. Um And just submitting day in and day out. And the amount of essays
2: (laughs) –
0: the amount of essays and, like, um, trying to, like, uh, uh, (laughs) find the the, uh, colloquialisms in order to, you know – effectively communicate and defend my work and why I do what I do and for what reason, oh, for what purpose. Like it literally turns my brain to mush. I want to know
1: where I'm to start constant. in that situation. Like I gotta, I gotta give it to you for that. Cause like, I know just speaking for myself, I would only I don't, I hate writing stuff like that about myself <laughs> and I know 90 nine percent of artists probably do as well so good for you on that man because thanks because <laughs> like i
0: mean i i'd rather be in a studio working but yeah. um well it's the administrative side of being ched an Zarr, artist which
1: ched czar said fun. that um like you know he's been a full-time artist for probably close to 20 years and he said that like 80 percent of it is not creating art yeah If you want to be a full time artist, Uh, like eighty percent is not creating art.
0: (laughs) I I would agree with yeah with the a majority of that statement absolutely because there's um oh gosh yeah like just searching for the next gig or the next exhibition or landing like the next opportunity there's a lot of um, hunting oh yeah and that takes a lot of time, but studio wise like. I I have started um <laughs> putting together some some new work that nice. um not really it kind of encapsulates like what I've experienced and what I've seen others experience during this time. Okay. Um and I noticed like probably third week of March.
2: because
0: mm-hmm. um, I was speaking with some other artists and some gallerists that I um Communicate with regularly, and I noticed that we're. This is this one of the few times where, um, as as a society, not just in America or um, you know even locally, but like as a global society, where we are collectively going through and experiencing the five stages of grief. Okay. So, um, which is so interesting to me that, um, we're all kind of, you know, going through those waves of denial and then anger and then turning into bargaining, like, You're oh, right. well, if we, you know, all do X, Y, Z, then we'll be able to get ABC, right. or, um, You're and absolutely then, do you know, right. depression and, and radical acceptance and all of these stages that, um, I mean, one would normally go through um, you know in the event of like a death in the family or um, you know a traumatic experience or what have you right. um, or even like the loss of, of um, a job there a lot there Sorry. are a lot of things within one's own own life that you experience the five stages of grief right, right for as an individual but like to see us all going through it, at the same yeah. time collectively like it's it's unifying in the worst way possible but also like there have been you know some you know good consequences that have arisen from it so i'm i'm working on some pieces and i've already written um the proposal for this new body of work oh, cool. um yeah so it's a new chapter of work that i'm uh yes.
1: And that I've started um, for people that don't know you and I'm going to link on the episodes, notes and all that um, to your website and all that stuff. Thanks. Um, but for people that don't know um, you, you make sculptures, but they're like ring. They're wearable sculptures, basically. They are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how how do you go about doing this? So um, like, Um. Where do you it's, get one thing that I've always wanted to know, as an artist, is where do you get your your little pieces to make your sculpture from? Where do you find everywhere? Like where do you find sunglasses that are the size of a quarter? You know what I mean? Like Barbie. <laughs> oh, see,
0: I get them from everywhere. Yeah. Like it's um, I'm not, uh, and I probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't touch as much junk and garbage as I do, but, but... um, like I have a tendency to, uh, to when I'm, when I'm walking or when I'm like, you know, going from point A to point B, I tend to look down on the ground a lot. And, Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm thinking about things and I bump into walls and whatever and bump (laughs) into people. But anyway, um, but I find a lot of stuff on the floor that people discard and, um, uh, as long as it can burn um okay. I will I will incorporate it into a piece. So <clears throat> it has to be um uh it can be organic materials, it could be um plastic or wax or paper, um, gotcha. pretty much yeah, anything that can burn um below 1300 degrees. If it takes more than that um to either burn or melt away, mm-hmm. then I can't use it.
1: Gotcha. So once you find these things and you arrange them out in the particular uh, sculpture, like the mm-hmm. idea that you have, then what do you do with that?
0: So after I make the prototype, okay. um, like the composition of the found objects that uh, c- that conveys the narrative or the story of the subject that I'm trying to talk about, um, I will uh, take a mold of it. Okay. Um, and I'll um, – mold it out of usually like a, a thick silicone gotcha. um, or rubber. Okay. Uh, if it's, if, if there, if there is uh, non-burnable objects in it, I'll use a vulcanized rubber because um, that's pretty much the best way to get like a, a mold off of something that's metallic or whatnot, gotcha. or even glass. Um, the, Silicone rubber is what I use for a lot of plastic and wax. So um, I create the uh, uh, mold with the negative space um, of the same composition inside. Um, and then when I have that mold uh, cured, I actually uh, inject um, <laughs> melted wax into, um, into the negative space of that silicone mold. Um, so I have a wax injector pot. Uh, which I you know have uh, the calibrations are set for um the correct amount of pressure and temperature and all that gotcha. um depending on like the type of wax' because there are different types of waxes, like um, some are stickier, some are um a little more fluid than others when they're melted. Gotcha. Um, yeah, not all waxes are the same, believe it or not. No. Um, and then uh, when the wax positive melt or when the wax positive cools inside that silicone rubber mold. Um, I extract it, and then I've got my wax positive, which I then cut into and carve into um, even further. So I can alter the composition in ways that I probably can't with just the plastic or, um, you know, with the the plastic prototype. Um, So I have a, a varying collection of uh, dental tools okay. <laughs> that I used to, that's like, uh, carve into the wax and, you know, make the crevices a little bit deeper and more pronounced. And, and that makes sense, um, too. Yeah, it's a lot easier to yeah. do it uh, in the wax state. And then when that's, uh, when the wax positive is, um, represents how I want the final piece to represent or to be represented, then I'll um, sprue it. Which means uh, kind of like attaching the wax positive to uh, uh, wax rods mm, in a way, gotcha. um, and uh, and then to a, a wax funnel. So all of the wax is is connected, um, and the wax rods actually uh, they're called sprues, but the rods um, are, are are positioned in a way to funnel the molten metal. To various parts of the piece. Oh, okay. So if I have, yeah, so if I have like thicker parts of um, of, like the ring shank, let's say, um, that would require more rods funneling metal to it and feeding that metal to those thicker spots, thicker spots than um, like the more thinner areas would need. So um, once that's all sprued, I have, uh, I put it inside a flask. Which mm-hmm. um, is uh, perforated, and then um, I have—it's uh, <laughs> so process-heavy. I, I often no, wonder why weird. I do it. Um, I then yeah. uh, create this uh, investment mixture, which is kind of but the similar to like plaster of Paris. The result one.
1: is amazing, just so you know. So it's worth oh, it. Thanks. Trust me. So <laughs> so you. it's like a plaster of Paris type of thing.
0: Yeah, so it's uh, it's called Investment. They use it for uh, a lot of, like, uh, dental castings, like when okay. people need um, gold or silver inside their teeth. Um, they'll use a lot of dental investment to do that. It's a very fine powder, um, and it's rather lightweight. So, gotcha. uh, And it, it, it hardens upon contact with moisture. So um, I mix it with water, and, of course, everything is um, measured in uh, – uh, uh, graduated cylinders and uh, weighed properly to the right. precise gram, and a lot of like math and chemistry right. that nobody is interested in except for weirdos <laughs> like me. Yeah. But um, all of that is is has got to be pretty precise. Um, I have to wear. I actually have it right here. I have to wear a 3M um, oh, yeah. model 7093 uh, mask. When I do it, because the fibers are so uh, lightweight, or I'm sorry, not fibers, the particles of the investment, Mm -hmm. the dry investment, are so um, lightweight and fine that um, if I were to breathe them in, uh, the moisture from my lungs would actually cause the investment to harden within my lungs.
1: You don't want that.
0: So over time, it would cause cancer, or literally, like harden my lungs to a
1: a concrete mess. Yeah, we don't. So. We don't, we don't want. want we don't want your lungs to pull a Medusa on us or anything. Like oh, I love an,
0: that analogy. Inside an inside,
1: an inside Medusa, like we yeah. don't want that. Like what if Medusa? Yeah. What if that happened to her from the inside out?
0: Oh my gosh. Hmm. That yeah, that would be.
1: Yeah. That would. Uh, that would be crazy. That's a
0: good metaphor. Thanks. That's exactly what would happen. Oh.
1: From the inside oh, out. Ugh. Oh man, no.
0: So once all that is um hardened around the wax positive, um I put the entire flask and everything inside a kiln and um I heat it up to about thirteen degrees thirteen hundred sorry, thirteen hundred mm-hmm. degrees Fahrenheit over a period of about a sixteen hour burn cycle. Oh wow. And um yeah, I kinda have to babysit the kiln
1: at I that can point. Imagine
0: yeah because i can't um i don't want to walk away from it oh no. it's inside the garage i don't want my house to you don't want your house up. to burn down no i don't want anything is it like a crushed.
1: is it like a regular size kiln like a, a like three four feet across or are you using something smaller oh, no, smaller 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 yeah, smaller, smaller, yeah.
0: yeah. it's not like a, a ceramic kiln gotcha um yeah it Uh, it can reach up to 1600 degrees Fahrenheit, Mm -hmm. but, uh, for what I need it for, I need it to reach like 1300, 1350 max. Um, and then after, during that burnout cycle, the, the intense heat of course melts away the wax, um, causing like the negative space inside the plaster of Paris mold. Um, but also like, uh, Hardens and um, it hardens the plaster of Paris mold um, further and cures that. Um, That way, it it's uh, strong enough to withstand the shock of um, of of molten silver at like 17 or 1800 degrees Fahrenheit when it hits it. So um, when it when it does come time to cast, I've got. Thomas behind me with the um, fire extinguisher <laughs> pointing at everything. Is he pointing wearing at a cape? Me, pointing at the kiln. He,
1: he should be wearing a cape when he does this, because he seems like he, a superhero. I know he's a superhero. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's amazing. He yeah. he's he's always been there for me. He's yeah. a huge support um, through all my trials and tribulations and temper tantrums and uh, celebrations. Oh, he's been there. Well, the process um, the, sounds
1: like. Every single second of the process, there could be something that happens that could be catastrophic to the whole piece. Yeah. So you, I can imagine all the different um, emotions that you go through when you're making these things. Like, oh my crap.
0: gosh, it's it's hard for me to like describe into words the <laughs> roller coaster of stress yeah. and emotions. Because you're totally right. There, it's so process heavy, and everything's got to be exact and precise right. and accurate. That if there is the slightest error, um, it it the, I I've lost so many pieces mm. in my time with casting because something was off. Yeah, that's cool. and yeah. Thomas, he doesn't even need to describe what he sees in words. He can just <laughs> give you an expression yeah. <laughs> of what he yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of like a facial expression of what it's like, and he uh, and would be accurate. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's so dangerous. And so, this is why a lot of people don't do it. This is why, yeah. like, Lost Max casting is kind of like a dying art form. It has been for, a, you know, for generations really because um you know with casting you know uh in ancient greece right where where it uh, began i believe i'm in my yeah. work is in some sort of uh, it's interesting that
1: you bring up greece that has... because i was gonna mention plaster of paris right so mm-hmm. you're using plaster of paris did you know that you can use plaster of paris to make gesso and i did not so it's not vegan um so if you're vegan you might not want to do it but you you use plaster paris with rabbit rabbit skin glue you mix you, there's like a whole like, um, recipe for it and you can make a gesso out of it i found this out because i was trying to get a specific um texture out of out of more reasonable price and economic rate right so like mm-hmm. instead of buying the panels with this texture and feel i researched everything i could find about gesso <laughs> and, interesting yeah. so like most of your gesso already gessoed boards and canvases are gessoed with an acrylic based gesso right but yeah there is there's a different type of gesso too and Gamblin makes a kit that you can buy and it's um traditional and they don't everything's in there for you you just add the water but you can also do the same thing as a traditional gesso you can make it with placer paris which is much cheaper than Mm -hmm. the traditional kit that um gamblin makes um and in that kit there's the um the reason that the i i say grease is because the idea came from that area because the volcanic ash is like a big part of the gesso. The volcanic ash and then there's a lot of marble, ground up marble, powdered marble in there. And that's what gives it its brilliance, right? Hmm. And then you just add water, let it sit overnight, a certain amount of water of course, and let it sit overnight and then you have to use a um what are they called? A double pot with water underneath. I forget what it's called. But you heat it up in oh, that. Oh, a double boiler. Yeah, a double boiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you heat it up in that. Uh, I mean, above that in a different pot until it gets to a certain consistency. I lost your video. Oh, there you oh, are. Sorry. Um, but, um, so like Placer, Paris, and Greece, it's, it's funny because the reason – that they did this in Greece and Italy is because of all the big volcanoes around there. And hmm. they had access to all these different um, powders and things that they could use to make things like plaster Paris and gesso. It's like all your paintings from back in the day, like the Renaissance period, they used this kind of gesso. They didn't use, I mean, acrylic wasn't around. I mean, yeah. I don't even know when acrylic came about because I'm not an acrylic painter, so I don't know the history. But mm-hmm. like as far as um oil painting goes, a lot of those paintings from back then were their their boards were gessoed with like marble and like volcanic ash and things like this. It's pretty fascinating wow. stuff. Huh. Yeah. I mean I never so, knew that. Like, so like but the problem is for me, now that I'm painting on VHS tapes, I don't know if you knew that. Like I'm painting on the actual tape. <laughs> So like, sorry, the volume just. Sorry. What
0: was that last part? Can
1: you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm painting on VHS tapes, so. Oh, cool. So I can't use that process on the VHS tapes because it hardens like plaster paris, like a plaster. Yeah. And if you have any movement, it's gonna crack and break off. You know, into pieces, little pieces of plaster. But like, like yeah. you can see that one. That's a new one that I just. That's finished. awesome. And that's on the aliens tape. Nice. You can nice. kind of see where it says aliens there. Yeah, that's
0: so awesome. like
1: To do those, I use a clear acrylic gesso, and everybody's like, "How can you? How can you paint oil on plastic?" And I was like, "Well, acrylic's plastic, and you're probably using an acrylic gesso when you're doing your panels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're painting on plastic too." <laughs> you know? but, Good point. <laughs> sorry, that was like a weird side track that I, I just No I like it. Yeah the
0: correlation between like the, the plaster of Paris and the you know, volcanic you're, ash and you're a and process the nerd too
1: so like I'm like why did like some people are like like what are you a nerd for? I'm like I became a nerd for gesso. I don't know if, <laughs> and it was a necessity, you know? But I became a nerd for gesso. That's 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 what I'm a, I'm really a nerd for music, but Yeah. So um once you how long does it usually take for um you to get to the point of actually casting it in silver
0: mm. so um after after the burn cycle in the kiln mm-hmm. um there uh when that's ready i i um and thomas says the uh Fire extinguisher. Um, <laughs> I remove the flask and put it into upside down into our vacuum caster, oh, um, okay. which uh, pulls out 35 pounds of pressure per square inch. Um, it's very powerful because yeah. uh, it, it has to be strong enough and, and have enough suction to actually um, draw in the liquid metal, the molten metal, into like every small crevice and and and. Gotcha. And uh detail you know hands and feet and heads and whatever. Um, so I um, we have an electromelt furnace that um, I put the solid cool metal into after that has also been um, uh, measured. And depending on the type of metal, uh, I have to do a lot of uh, calculations between the density of the wax and the weight of the wax um, and uh, uh, calculate that into whatever density metal I'm using. So I have to, um, you know, for uh, sterling silver, it's like 10.78. For um, aluminum, it's a little bit um, less... bronze is a little bit less and you don't just um,
1: use silver you use those other things too right yeah Have yeah you...
0: i can cast um sterling sterling silver um which is 0.95 so there's a little bit of copper alloy in sterling gotcha. silver um i can cast fine silver which is 0.99 mm. 0.999 three nines um i can cast ancient bronze uh, aluminum and then uh 14 karat
1: gold Oh, that's cool. Have, yeah. you ever, have you ever thought about doing like titanium? Because there's a lot of rings that are made out of titanium now.
0: There are some limitations uh, gotcha. with um, uh, with some metals that I can't cast gotcha. in just because like the melting point is um, far beyond what my gotcha. electromelt furnace can And I can imagine titanium
1: is probably pretty high.
0: Yeah, same yeah. with st- uh, with stainless steel. Iron um, is also – it requires a it's – it's a metal that requires oh, a really high temperature to, to reach melting point. Um, I've done iron casting before. Mm-hmm. Um, at university, we had a foundry, and um, I poured a lot of iron there.
2: Gotcha. Um,
0: you just got to get it so hot yeah. and for so long for it yeah. to actually become molten. Gotcha. And I don't have that capability with my equipment. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, so I don't do titanium. I also don't do um, stainless or iron. I don't do platinum, even though I technically could, but I, yeah. it's just not my bag. I gotcha. <laughs> platinum gotcha. is, yeah, it, it looks like white gold. It looks it like does. sterling. So, yeah. it's kind of not yeah. worth it for me, like visually. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, I can go up to 24 karat, but uh, with gold. But um, I'd have to get a new crucible for that because I don't mix uh, my crucibles with metal. Yeah. So depending on on what type of metal I am using, and mm-hmm. once I have like my calculations and um, and all of that. Uh, the measurement's done, I put the cooled metal into the crucible and that crucible goes inside the electromelt furnace and then I crank that up to whatever uh, temperature it needs needs to reach to hit melting point for said gotcha. metal and then um, I let it cook uh, for about 20, 20 minutes um, at melting point just because usually my pieces are pretty thick and heavy and it, it's going to require a lot of sustained heat gotcha. um, to keep it at that liquefied state and then, um, when that's ready, and I stir it with a graphite rod, <laughs> and then uh and kids, if you're listening at home, please don't try this at home. It's dangerous. Yeah, I don't recommend it. make sure you you know either
1: uh <laughs> you've been doing this for, a... like this has been your main art form for a while now. yeah, twenty yeah. years, twenty yeah. years that's pretty yeah, amazing. I hit twenty
0: years last year. Wow, <sighs> oh, I know. Know, of doing crazy.
1: Of doing sculpt rings. Have you done other stuff?
0: Um I have. Oh, like yeah. I did a lot of painting okay. during uh during the interim between um university and by the time I got my uh studio set up here. Gotcha. Um because I at university I was like oh I'm good. I'm gonna you know put uh all my effort into graduating early which was fine at the mm-hmm. time um didn't did so cum laude and on the Dean's List, but I didn't realize that once I graduated, I would have no access to the equipment. Yeah. I shot myself in the right. foot with that one. Right. I shot myself in the foot with that because then I was I was graduated, and I'm like, oh, I can't use the casting equipment. I yep. can't use the kilns. I can't use the furnaces. I can't use – Jack shit. So right. I'm like, fuck, what the hell am I going to do? I'm sorry about the language.
1: No, it's I'm fine. like, what
0: the hell am I going to do? This is expensive equipment we're talking right. about, right? So, um.
1: Same thing I with my school, it. you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's part of the tuition. Yeah. You know, you pay for the, for the uh, uh, access right. pretty much to the studios. And if you don't pay we for have it, a, we have or if class... you're done with the program, my the class Asla is Mista. only
1: 10 people, I think, and mm. we have a glass a class chat going on on um and when this whole thing started um there were a couple people there's a lot of there's a few of them that are like whatever i'm gonna do whatever the school wants right but there are those that are like i'm not paying to watch videos of them Mm -hmm. i'm paying to have access to these microphones and these mixers the hands-on experience yeah i'm paying for these things and i was like yeah you are totally paying for those things like i don't have the money to go buy those those microphones i don't have the money to go buy that console i don't even have a spot to put a console like that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like yeah that's something that a lot of people forget about when they're going to school is i don't have access to these things anymore totally
0: and i think that i think um the absence of of access is partially what causes a lot of fresh grads to not continue what mm. they originally pursued that's interesting because yeah. they like me i had no idea how i was going to afford maybe it maybe that's why there's I so had many painters no access to anybody that um i didn't know anybody that uh, that had 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 any of this equipment i mean right. it's it's such such a niche thing that um had I not, like, been determined to stick with it, I could have easily just let it fall by the wayside. Yeah. So, I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I worked the face painting job, right? That was, like, yeah. my 9 to 5. Right. And it paid for, like, the necessities, like housing, Absolutely. food, car insurance, what have you. Um, but for the equipment, I was like, I'm going to paint my ass off. So, nice. I – ended up um kind of along the lines of what you were you were doing with um with painting on the VHS of the film. Mm-hmm. Um I would take vinyl records okay. and paint black and white portraits yeah. of uh the artists of that Parker. record. So like Parker's sketch I think actually I
1: did... it's funny you say that because Parker has one of my VHSs and one of your vinyl records on the yes! same wall together. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like,
2: yes, I saw that
1: post. That's so funny. Like he He's one of the first people to get one of those VHSs. I that's think I traded awesome. him for I I think I bartered for it. Um but yeah, he has one of the the VHS and he has one of your vinyl records on the same wall. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious.
0: Yeah, so that's how I that's how I was able to get the equipment. I that's just amazing. I painted yeah. and sold as many paintings as I could and then um as soon as I got the studio set up, I was like, "All right, I'm not painting I'm anymore. Painting. I'm just going yeah. to do
1: sculpture." Yeah, it was kind yeah. of the same way when I went from painting on panels and canvases. I I never liked painting on canvas. I don't know why, um, but when I went from doing that to the VHS tapes, it was kind of similar. You know, I was like, I mm. I've only got like three or four four of my other paintings that aren't on VHSs left. You know. And, like, I don't know what to do with them. I'm not going to hang them up in my apartment. Um, but, yeah. It's <laughs> Why like, not? You could totally know. do that. <laughs> I could. I could. But, like, I have so many VHSs now. And I have so many yeah. paintings on VHS now, you know. of, I mean, just last year, I probably did 40 paintings on VHS. Oh, that's
0: very prolific. Wow. That's yeah. awesome.
1: Well, they're small. doesn't take that long to do them, you know. <laughs> Um, and one of them was, uh, 15 paintings for an art show at the Barefoot Spa. So, like, I had a deadline, so I did 15 paintings in a certain amount of time. So, a lot of them are still from that, but. That's awesome.
0: I love Harris. He's so wonderful to work with over there.
1: He, we're not on good terms right now, me and him. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. No, he's a good dude, and I understand 100%, but, like, I don't have time for a lot of the things that he said to me like i don't have time to deal with that stuff you know what i mean Mm. so i kind of just kind of pushed him to the side and i'm just like whatever but yeah i i didn't finish my wine box and he totally was like kind of mean about it but i get it you know as a curator you want to make sure that your artists are doing their thing doing the correct things so i get it yeah but yeah yeah he's a good dude and heather's a great person so yeah and and i i i don't have any problems with them i just don't have time to deal with someone like that at the moment you know what i mean so whatever um but yeah it was for you know a show there last year and i so i had 15 paintings from that but i was i was just spending so much time painting and this is like between um starting i mean like before starting the podcast and like while i'm doing the podcast you know i'm just cranking out paintings as much as i could and i probably did like 40 last year um oh my gosh but i was That's doing so a, many though i was doing a couple at a at the same time like i did three da vinci paintings at one time because they all looked the same and i was using the same colors because it was based on his notebooks so mm. like so like i had them all lined up like on my easel like one two three and I would just paint all. So it was like doing one painting, but on three different surfaces. It was like a triptych, you know. That's awesome. So like stuff like that. And, you know, being. I forgot the door was open because it's kind of nice out. Um. Uh, The sliding glass door. But uh, like. What was I going to say? It was like one big painting. Oh, so like being a baker. I'm a baker at Publix. Like that's how I support myself right now. And I learn like Thank you for
0: doing what you do. Okay, oh my gosh, thanks, you're essentials.
1: Thanks. thanks. Um, Thank you for doing that. You're well. welcome. But um like uh there's like a process that you have to go through to to make bread, you know. So like mm-hmm. I kind of use a lot of that. I've been doing that for a long time, so I kinda of use a lot of that when I'm painting. It's like and that helps me be more efficient, you know. Like, it's like, okay, like you, you have a process that you go through. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it's yeah, because
0: not... if a measurement is off, then the bread doesn't bake right.
1: the way right. it should. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, it's. it's cool that you have that painting background, too, because I'm sure that helps a little bit with what you're doing now, like, as far as visuals go. Like, you're able to look at something not just from a 2D perspective, but from a, um, I mean, not just from a 3D perspective, but from a 2D perspective as well. That, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, if it, uh, well, yes. Yeah. The weird thing about 3D work is that like, even though it's three dimensional, a lot of people, um, absorb it as like a two dimensional, jpeg now or an image a digital image so um yeah i I do have to think along those lines like how it translates as
1: a exactly you kind of have to have that in mind when you're making these things you know Mm -hmm. you can't just um make it and expect it to turn out correctly i'm like like if that if you did do something like that and then it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, or it didn't photograph the way you wanted it to, you'd probably change your process after that. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause like a, a a bad JPEG can really ruin a painting for you. Like it can be a great painting in person, but if you post a bad JPEG, it could totally ruin it for you. You know? Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Um so what is going on? Um, there's you. You don't really have a lot of. None of us do, <laughs> not just you. Um, we don't have a lot of opportunities. As, we don't know what's happening with the gallery world. Yeah. So it's
0: very um, uncertain right now. Yeah, a it's lot of very
1: uncertain. Um, a
0: lot of um, and I've uh like a lot of my like, gallerist friends. Um, who I've kept you know, in contact with just to make sure we all stay sane. Right. Um, a lot of them, uh, we have had conversations about the art industry and the um, established gallery system gotcha. uh, evolving even before COVID hit. Um, there were uh I wanna say between fall of last year and mm-hmm. early or late winter of this year, early spring, um, there were a ton of like very well-known galleries that just shuttered. Um so like I've I've been speaking with gallerists um about that right. uh you know months ago. And, um, they're trying to navigate you know the the changing landscape um in the art world, the physical art world it's um trying to make sure everything moves online and now, um everyone is kind of forced to do that. you know it's been uh, online so... for a
1: long time, but I've mm-hmm. just now recently, like in the past few couple years, noticed like how even online it's like tapered off a little bit like the interactions and things like that the likes the comments the thing the shares the things like that that Mm -hmm. come along with um having your art online not just yours but like art in general um Mm -hmm. has tapered off a little bit like i don't see as much excitement about a painting as i as i did four years ago have you noticed that too Cause, yeah,
0: I think um, I think a lot of us are being you know inundated with mm-hmm. so much visual content that it's easy to forget. Um, you know the, the oh my gosh, between I'm I'm a Twitter fanatic. I right. love Twitter. I do not like Instagram. Interesting. Which is I know as an artist really one would think that I would be more into Instagram than Twitter. The conversations and the interactions with the art are happening on Twitter, hmm. not so much on Instagram. Huh. I mean, yeah, there's still a lot of like Instagram uh quote unquote Instagram famous artists yeah, that um, do find a lot of uh traction uh between you know their their base um or from their base, but they're it, it Twitter is is so much more engaging and that's I true. find that that's a little more fulfilling for me. I
1: have a Twitter for my art and for the podcast I should um get back on there and like i was looking at your website and you have a tweet up there is it like anytime you tweet it automatically posts to your website
0: yes to uh i have a news page um that uh i i I used like a um a template like for the website but then i backdoored it and figured out how to write like html and basic css or css yeah and then um And kind of like just coded that to appear on the news page, but um, but yeah, it's uh, I I love that because I'm able to put out you know very quick information and have it come up um, on that section of my site.
1: Um, Squarespace has an automatic thing like that. You know, you can have it automatically linked to your facebook your instagram stuff like that when mm-hmm. i had my website i was using that um but uh, i was like man i forgot about twitter i don't know why because twitter's <laughs> in the news every day if you know what i mean not to get political yeah. or anything but twitter is in the news every day for some reason. and a
0: lot of things happen like originate in Twitter a lot of like breaking yeah. news um, starts on Twitter a lot of the famous like memes that you see like of course oh, yeah. they start on Reddit too right, but right. Um, a lot of a lot of this like screen captured pithy remarks um, start on Twitter yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's a it's a great platform and and um, the uh, as a as a company. Um, it's one of the few platforms that um, have had have made some integrity worthy decisions gotcha. in yeah. the past year or two, yeah. um, more so than the big Facebook and Instagram. But um, but yeah, I I really enjoy Twitter. That's I'm, I'm gonna, gonna download the know.
1: Twitter app right now because you, yeah, you said uh, you inspired me. um so do you as a sculptor I would consider you a sculptor Um, thank you as a sculptor what are some of your biggest influences as far as like um what you're doing like you're doing lost wax casting that's an interesting name to lost wax um so are there some other lost wax casters out there that you really enjoy or have been an inspiration in the past?
0: Um, no. This is gonna sound really bad, but no, no,
1: no. <laughs> no. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you
0: specifically that are doing lost wax casting. No, a lot of the a lot of the lost wax casters that um, I mean, there's very few casting places that are even functioning it's like Um, someone
1: asked me who are there any other people that are painting on vhs tapes that you like i don't know actually yeah i've looked it up and it's been like someone's kid just was messing around and it's like they're not doing it as an art form they're more doing it just for like crafting and then fun you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah a lot of a lot of the, the, lot of the one, sculptors that are doing but...
0: lost wax casting are um doing more traditional
1: like oh, okay. um, so figurative about, work or about... like
0: animals or nature and
1: gotcha. How about jewelry? Do you have some jewelers that you love that you? Oh, this
0: is gonna sound really bad, no. but. I mean, um... there,
2: there's a a lot of,
0: when, when people think jewelry, they, Mm -hmm. a lot of times people think stones and, um, the reliance of the, um, like the design heavily relying on the stone itself and not so much on like the wax work or the metal work, um, which is okay. Everybody's yeah. got their own thing, you know? Not right. not, one right. is better than the other. But for me, it's really hard to find somebody that um, that really inspires me because a lot of people just they place all the emphasis on, look how cool this rock is. Yeah, and I got gotcha. you. not so much on, like, the, well, you know, there's a lot more you could be doing about that.
1: <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I understand where you're coming from there because it's like you're – your work is so unique that it would be thank you i can't imagine finding a lot of i can't imagine finding anyone that's doing what you're doing so i can imagine like thank how you. hard it is to uh find like almost like a camaraderie in what you're doing because like there's you can you can swing a dead cat and hit a painter you know what i mean <laughs>
0: It's it's funny you mentioned that, and I appreciate that you did because um, even early on, um, in my practice, like um, sorry I lost my pen. I kind of became my work kind of became known in um, like the jewelry mm-hmm. industry and um, the fine art in, industry or segment and what have you right. um, because nobody does do work like I do, um, which. Is really really cool, and a lot of the um, advisors, art advisors, and art appraisers, and people that I've um, had the privilege to like sit down and talk with about my work, like, have mentioned how unique of a voice it really is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 humbling to hear that from a lot of people um, that you know carry influence in both fields, but um but it just you know reinforces my notion that i gotta keep on doing what i'm I'm doing right right so um yeah thank you i really appreciate that um
1: so can't really talk about much of what's coming up because we don't know what's gonna happen right yeah i've got a lot of
0: things like on the burners like i normally i usually put out feelers all the time uh, because I try to think um, (laughs) right now I'm thinking um, for 2025, um, which I know it sounds so far off, but it has to happen. Um, But uh, I've got something set up for 2021 already. I've got um, some of the things that have been postponed or canceled now because of covid Um, will happen either later on in the year, hopefully, fingers crossed, or go into 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got uh, a lot of feelers out for, like I said earlier, the grants. Hopefully, uh, things manifest with that. Um, Some of the grants uh, are big and beyond what I have ever tried to achieve or attempt to accomplish before so we'll see what happens with that i got a little bit of an update regarding one of them that i sent out before this whole COVID thing shut everything down okay. um it wasn't a rejection so oh, i guess i'm still nice. in the runnings. so, so <laughs>
1: we'll see what happens. people can with that. get updates on your uh by signing up to your email is that what it is yes at sculpt rings.com
0: yes S-C-U-L-P-T-U-R-I-N-G-S dot com
1: okay and there's an email um, newsletter thing yes okay cool it's not
0: it's not like a weekly thing it's more quarterly I don't want to date or you know blow up anyone's inboxes but it's it's like a quarterly
1: if they want a daily thing get on Twitter and follow Sculpturing yes (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome I just signed up, but I haven't been on there in so long that I don't know when my password is. So.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right.
1: So if I, if I do figure it out, which I probably will, um, I'm going <laughs> to give you a follow. Um, I've nice. Had, I'll follow back. I've yeah. had that same thing for so long, the um, same Twitter. I just changed my name to VHS Artist because it's easy awesome. to remember. It's easier to remember than my last name. I mean – People will remember my last name because it's unique, but they won't necessarily know how to spell it, or like if they want to go follow me on Instagram or anything like that, it's like mm. was it was it his his first and last name was it his last name like you know what I mean yeah. so I did it as v h s artist, so it's like descriptive and easy to remember yeah, that's <laughs> you know? good branding I think so that's good branding I think so um so I think we've covered a lot, and I had yeah. fun, and I haven't seen you or talked to you in a while, so it's been nice yeah, to talk cool to you. A while. Yeah, the thank first you time, so much
0: for like inviting me onto onto the show. This is, I know we've been we've been hoping to do this for a while. We and have been. Lo and behold, you know like, what's funny? Things happen for a reason.
1: <laughs> it's really funny, um, not funny, like, like it's kind of tragic. Funny, you know what I mean? Like, um. It's been a lot easier to schedule these things because the person can do it from wherever they are.
2: Ah, yeah. I don't
1: have to meet up. They don't have to come to me. I don't have to go to them. It makes it a lot easier. It's pretty fascinating because for a while I was transitioning from one apartment to another, and I'm like further away from Orlando than I use than I was when I started this. So it's a lot harder for for schedules to work out but this has made Mm -hmm. it a little easier (laughs) nice yeah yeah. it's kind of cool i mean there's awesome i'm i'm constantly trying to look at the positives of everything you know and that's one of them (laughs) for me anyway that's a positive for me um that's
0: good that's smart that's a good approach to life
1: thanks and um before we go i wanted to talk about your um i'm Asking my guests to support a nonprofit or a charity, and you chose Give Kids the World. Is yes. there? Do you work with them? Is is that like a personal thing, or?
0: Um, I have in the past. I've volunteered okay. with them. Um, frequently uh, over the years. Um, it's uh, of course right now there are so many charities that are worthwhile and and need the the help and the support right. and the donorship. Um, but the uh from from a, a philanthropic standpoint, the uh, Give Kids the World organization, um it, they're just their mission is, is pretty incredible. Yeah, um yeah. I mean, terminal illness is, is awful at any age, but for children it's just unimaginably oh, yeah, for hard. Sure. Um, so uh, give kids the world is able to grant uh, very similar with um, make a wish foundation um they actually like work uh, in tandem at times um okay. but they're able to grant uh children uh trips to disney world
1: yeah that's you know, as,
0: as during their treatment and that's... so everybody needs a dose of magic and uh, and i think they, I what they do is wonderful
1: um and that's gktw.org if anybody's interested and i'll put a link in the description and all that stuff too thank you well thanks a lot for coming on and um thank you jeff (laughs) and uh talking and it's been nice and tell tom i said hey Uh, i will i will maybe i'll have him on one day he's an amazing (gasps) artist as well he would
0: love that yeah yeah he's he's uh in the middle of doing a a zombie comic right now actually but he's such a good
1: illustrator i wish i could Draw as well as he does. I, I'm a painter, 100. I can't draw. I've done a couple drawings that have been finished pieces. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hated it. I'm sorry, but I hated it. Give yourself more credit, (laughs) man. (laughs) No, no, like that's why I love people like that because it's like, man, like um, um, Vanessa who did my logo. It's a character of me, and she's a character artist at Disney World, actually. Um, that's awesome and i'm i'm always in awe of what she does you know and i'm always in awe of people maybe i'm in awe of people that can do things that i can't do i don't know but still it's his work is amazing and i love it so oh thank you yeah i'll definitely
0: tell him those where was it
1: which park was it that was having the um where you could go and learn how to draw a character i did it one day oh animal
0: kingdom yeah
1: Tom yeah. would be perfect for that job in case anybody yeah. is out there listening. Hire Tom for that job because he would be amazing for that, I'm sure. <laughs> but, yeah,
0: I think it's called the uh, Art of Animation Academy. They used to have something similar was... over at Hollywood Studios yeah. back when it was MGM Studios. But right. um, yeah, they have it at Con- Conservation Station now at behind uh, in the very back yeah, of that's Animal it. Kingdom. Conservation yeah. Station.
1: Conservation Station. Awesome. Well, well thanks really a lot. Cool. And uh Thank you. I'm gonna follow you on Twitter, and I'm gonna likewise <laughs> um, look for your updates and things that you're doing. And I I hope everyone else does as well. So
0: thank you, thank Thanks you so much. Thank and, you, um, thank you.
1: I'll be in touch.
0: Likewise, All stay right. in good health. You we'll too. We'll get through this. Bye.
2: <laughs> Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.